Hello and welcome to the Learning Pack Podcast. My name is Chris Emanuel, husband, cat dad, cyclist, motorcyclist, gamer, nerd, educator, and, well, just me. I believe in finding the balance in all things, in our minds, bodies, and spirits. Doing this has become far too complicated with our modern lifestyles, and with this podcast I aim to make that balance attainable. A pack of wolves stands together, and I believe we as people do our best work in learning when we can find the pack we can be ourselves in. I aim to share learnings and find other people to speak with in many fields to help each of us connect and find a way to make our lives more balanced, one step at a time. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 5 of the Learning Pack Podcast. On today's episode, we are having an exciting conversation with punk rock skateboarder, elementary school principal, out-of-the-box thinker, master motivator, author of the Educulture Cookbook, Recipes and Dishes to Positively Transform Classrooms and Social Culture, and co-host of the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, Mike Earnshaw. One of the things that caught my attention with Mike and why I invited him to the show was because he is able to find this sense of belonging to himself. Um, he finds this punk rock personality for himself, um, not only in his home life, in his personal life around certain people, but he's able to bring that in the workspace. And this is really important because he brings this energy, he brings this passion, he brings this sense of belonging as a school leader. And he's able to inspire his staff and ultimately his students to find their own authenticity, find their own belonging, and ultimately be the best selves that they can be. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you all. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Well, hey, Mike, how's it going? It's good to see you and welcome to the Learning Fact Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Chris, for having me. Uh, Super, super excited to be here. It's been, uh, I didn't think it was going to happen tonight. Just a bunch yeah. of stuff going on, but, but here we are a little later than anticipated, but I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, everything's figure outable. And yeah, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, as we're getting started, I was just wondering if you could take a couple of moments to tell our listeners who you are, what you're about, maybe some fun facts about yourself. Oh, fun facts. I wasn't yeah. anticipating <laughs> that. Yeah. So uh, my name is Mike Earnshaw. Um, first and foremost, I'm a, a father of two amazing kids. Um, my son's 13. My daughter's 10. Uh, been with my wife. We're going to celebrate our 15th wedding anniversary in June, but we were together. Jeez, I don't know, like five to seven years before, not, I'd say maybe 10 years before we even got married. So we've been together a long time. Um I'm an elementary school principal. Um, been doing that for eight years. Before that, I was an assistant principal at a middle school. And before that, um, I was a sixth and eighth grade ELA teacher. Um, I, I like to run. I like to run marathons. Um, I like to listen to punk rock. I like to skateboard. I like to hang out with my family and friends. And uh, I, I'm an author. I put out my first book a few months back in September and uh, sorry, I just kicked my standing desk uh, pedal. Oh, no. um, fun fact about me. Oh, geez. This is always a tough one because it's like, I don't know. Um, 
I guess an interesting fact, uh, my staff found this out yesterday. I cannot snap and I cannot whistle. Um, can't do either of those things. So that's, I don't know. I, I can't think of a fun fact. I should, you should have prepped me for that, Chris. I know. Yeah. Hey, sometimes you just got to improvise and just go with it, you know, but like, sorry you didn't make that snappy there for sure. No, but yeah, I if can't. you come into my music room though, and at my school, we'll definitely show you how to snap, get you into that, figure out some whistling stuff. You'll be good to go. I think it's a lost cause, man. Nah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And we'll definitely um, talk about the book at some point uh, later yeah. on, but um, one of the things that really caught my attention, um, cause you and you and Josh are always on the show of uh, punk rock classrooms. We'll talk about that too. And something that really catches my attention and why I wanted to bring you on the show was this idea of authenticity and belonging to yourself. There's a lot of sense that I get from your, your tweets, the things that you blog about, the things that you're on your podcast about is about this, the sense that you really stand up for who you are, you have values that you stand up for, and those don't necessarily waver whether you're on the clock or not. I mean, there's definitely pieces of armor that show up here and there because those are required for certain situations, but I just get this sense. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about was um, for being yourself, how did that start for you? Like, how did you get into realizing like you could maybe take off some layers of armor and really use that personality, use yourself as a way to connect with the people around you. Yeah. So man, you're giving me goosebumps, dude. So it's <laughs> like my whole life, I always kind of beat to my own drum. Like I was never afraid to, to stand out in the crowd, you know, like I was attracted to skateboarding and I remember being like, five years old and we were stuck in traffic and this guy got out of the car in front of us and he had like this huge green mohawk and just being like looking at my mom be like oh my god like i want that for my hair and then you know when i was growing up like in the 80s and 90s and like skateboarding was nowhere near as like accepted and popular as it was today you know punk rock you know you were looked at like just judged and stereotyped, you know, oh, this the misfit, whatever, troublemaker. And, and I never let that, you know, I never cared what other people thought. Like, I just did my thing. I knew I was a great kid, like straight A student for most of my school career. Um, that's a much longer conversation. But, oh, you know, honors classes. And, you know, it's just like that's I wanted to be me and who I was and enjoy my time with my friends. And when I got into education, you know, I got into education because th- there was a time in my life where I started to make poor choices because in high school, I started to fall into the, well, this is what people think of me. Why don't I just go that route? You know, my father and I did not have the best relationship growing up. Um, and I, I kind of started to go down the wrong path, you know, like grades are slipping. I stopped uh, you know, I, I was running varsity cross country as a freshman. I stopped running, you know, I was getting into to drugs. Um, and I just was kind of like, I didn't, I didn't care. And then it was certain teachers that would pull me aside and it didn't matter. Like they knew that I'd gotten high in my buddy's car in the parking lot. And they, they'd pull me aside instead of like reprimanding me or disciplining me, like talking to me, like you got so much potential. Like, why are you throwing this away? And so like them, like believing in me and seeing past all that, you know, was like kind of like my eye opener. like I need to get into education. And I got into it because I know there's so many more kids out there, you know, 
that feel like they're not noticed, they're not seen. And um, so that's kind of why I became an educator. And, and that's why I approached teaching. Like some of my colleagues hated me because they're like, you're just sitting there having fun all day, hanging out with kids, you know, like, cause my room, like we were, we were up and doing like hands-on collaborative projects all the time when so many people in the early 2000s were still, cause I started teaching in 2003, were still, you know, in rows, especially in middle school, like, no, it's gotta be lecture in rows and we're up and moving. And, you know, we're cutting things out of newspapers in an English class. And, um, you know, we were setting my room up as a courtroom to, to argue when we were doing argumentative writing, like was the three little pigs or the wolf telling the truth. And we would have like full days of court sessions to teach them how to do like to argue a side and see both sides. And it was interesting because when we would do like our local assessments, I remember a couple of years in a row, like my students from my class would have showed the most growth out of the entire school. Right. So we would have like these all assemblies and, I remember like getting the looks like how, how is Mike's kids doing this? Like he doesn't really do anything. Um, and so then I got into administration and it, again, it was because my current principal and assistant principal, when I told them I was going to go back for my master's, they're like, Hey, I told them like, I'm just going to go for like uh, English or curriculum. You know, I'm just going to stay in the classroom. Like, no, no, you gotta be, you got these qualities that would make an amazing administrator. And I kind of laughed at them. I'm like, come on. I still listen to, you know, death metal and ride a skateboard on the weekends. Like I'm not, I'm not going to lead a school. And they're like, trust me, you've got these qualities. And I started taking, so they convinced me like go into administration, even if you don't want to become an administrator, because it opens more doors. So I did. And uh, I fell in love with the coursework and um, I became an assistant principal in a different district. Um, the district I'm currently in now at the middle school. And my approach to that role was much like teaching, like, Hey, this is who I am. Like, we're going to have fun. Like, it doesn't need to be like, you know, stand in the liver all day. And I was collaborating with everybody. And it was, you know, I was told at the time, like, I was like a breath of fresh air for the person I kind of replaced. Like, that's what the staff had wanted. Like, this, this openness, like, where they can do what they wanted to do and teach the way they wanted to teach. Well, I became a principal then. And, like, you know, this is my eighth year, but the first, like, three years, all of a sudden I thought, man, maybe I need to like get more mature and take things seriously. Maybe I need to do what all the, my other colleague principals in the district are doing. So I would come in and look at emails and look at spreadsheets and take phone calls and 10 o'clock, I'm going to go do my lap around. So everyone sees me and I'm going to walk through the lunchroom one time. And I became miserable. And I felt like, I felt like I wasn't being true to myself, you know? And it was, probably, it was like 2018, 2017, um, the NASSP conference came to Chicago and I was fortunate enough to go and I, I was not on social media at the time. And I, I met all of these amazing like administrators, you know, like Andy Jacks and Jay Posick and Adam Welcome. And I remember going to this session in this small room and it was the tattooed skateboarding principal Hamish Brewer. And this was before, like, this was before the book was out. Like, and I remember somebody was like, you need to get there early. Cause it's going to fill up. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. And you know, hearing his story and then like me discovering Adam welcome. And like, 
Ryan Sheehy and all of these, these principals that were like having fun in the job. And like, you could tell, like, they're just being true to who they are. And I was like, you know what? I got to get back to being me. So we came back that summer and uh, I got us a, a mobile desk and I said, you know, I'm not going to sit in my office anymore. School's my office. The classrooms are my office. I got a laptop. I can work anywhere. I got a cell phone. Um, I brought my skateboard in. And I started skateboarding down the halls. And I was like, you know, we'll see how this year goes. And at that point, I mean, just, and I know we got limited time because the, 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 the impact it had on the staff to see me being true to myself really helped to open up them to take risks and try things like seeing me, like that was the year I started blogging. Um, that was the year I started the punk rock classrooms podcast with Josh. Like, so they saw me taking all these risks and just not really caring what other people thought, like, you know, that I wasn't doing your stereotypical principal stuff. And it's people will always see through the, when you're not being authentic, when you're not being true, you know? Um, so I just have realized like, man, just be true to who yourself, who you are. And I've done a lot of self-reflections. Like I can't control what other people think. I can't control what they do. So it's, and it's none of my business. If you don't like me, like, I don't know. How does that affect me? Like I'm going to do what I know is right for kids. So, you know, that was a long winded answer. I probably don't even know if uh, it was, it was. No, I love that. that there's just so much, like, I feel, number one, I feel seen by that. Um, there's a feel, um, reflection on my part as I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, like what, what kinds of things have I been maybe holding in myself um, and maybe not sharing, or maybe sometimes like I, you almost feel like there's this, this voice or this person that's behind you. And they're like, Hey, you're in this job. Maybe you should start doing it this way. Maybe you should start acting this right. way because that's kind of the norm or like this idea of fitting in. But like you were talking about, which when you started doing that, when you were, I think that was when you were assistant principal and you were staying in your mm-hmm. office, right? Um, that's when you actually started feeling almost like you were sick. Like this yeah. was like your mood was down. You probably weren't feeling your best because you were doing the job that you thought you should rather than the job that, uh, you know, the way that Mike can do it. And the right. only way that Mike can do it and finding that yourself not only unlocked you, but it sounds like now you have this uh, a building where you don't necessarily have islands. Like maybe you had certain teachers who were able to still be themselves, but maybe you felt like it was awkward or weird to be themselves because there was so much ar- layer, there's so many layers of armor. But when right. you were as a principal, as the leader, were able to then say, I'm taking this off. Like I'm going to be me. I'm going to get, I'm going to get this mobile desk and get a skateboard and we're really just going to open this up and really giving, I think you give this invitation for them to then say, yes, I can do this. And now ultimately the teachers can then do this for for the kids, the ones who really want to take those risks, the ones you really want to open up and find themselves. Like they don't even sometimes know who they are, but they definitely need those spaces where they can maybe figure out who that is. Well, it's, it's, it's cool too, man. We had a, our a staff meeting yesterday and I mean, my staff meetings are nowhere near like traditional staff meetings. Like I was getting observed yesterday. My, my director curriculum was like, Oh, I can, I can move your slideshow. How'd I go, dude, I got one slide. I'm like, you know me, like I don't put bullet points up and talk about it. Like we're going to be up moving hands on. And um, one of my questions to my staff was like, what, what is one, if you, someone were to ask you, what's the best part of working at Oakland elementary school? what would you tell them? And almost every group 
Um, and, and I don't put them with their grade levels. Like I'm like, no, we're mixing it up. Like you, you're working with people you normally don't talk to on a daily basis. Almost every group said the fact that, you know, the staff, the teachers, we are like us as a group, but they said also that we feel supported and we can be ourselves and do take risks doing things, knowing we're not going to get in trouble for it, you know? But, and I thought that was powerful when they said that, like that they can be who they want to be like, yeah, like, I mean, in any, I don't care, at educa- any profession, you shouldn't be afraid to sh- show who you are, you know? And um, I mean, the parents know, like I, there'll be, I'll be outside. Not now. Cause in Chicago, we got snow everywhere, <laughs> but like in the morning or after school, like I'll be out there with my skateboard and there'll be parents that will pull over and start taking pictures. I'm like, now are they sending that to the school board? Are they putting that on Facebook? Who knows? But you know, it's, it's cool. Like, to see them like that. I feel like they're more comfortable because a lot of our parents almost had like this fear, like they had a bad education career, you know? And so they're afraid to come to school when they see like, like, I mean, I'm just, I'm being myself. Like, Oh, this is just a normal guy. Like he's not like, yeah. I, I haven't worn a tie all year, dude. Like I, this was the first year my wife's like, you gotta start wearing ties. Again. I'm like, nah, I'm like I'll do a button up. Cause I have to, I'm like, but I'm not wearing a tie. So I just, it's, this is who it is. If you like, if you don't like it, I mean, sorry, but, but also not sorry too. It's like, right. No, like you said, it's like, no, Hey, I'm not sorry. You know, that's a bummer for right. you because you're, you're missing right. out on what, right. what we're here to offer. But right. I, I always say, you made me think about something that uh, our previous counselor would say. And it was like this idea that with parents, they almost have like, there's these ghosts that follow them um, that with um, their lives and the ghosts are usually in the schools. And yeah. it's these, these past experiences that they might've had or didn't have, and those are now following them and then kind of getting, um, and they're trying to see those through in their kids in a way Yeah. and how to rectify them. It's, it's kind of tricky. Um, you know, parents are, um, teachers are always trying to develop those relationships together, but I don't think we always realize or recognize like they aren't necessarily just a parent of that kid, but they themselves are their own person and maybe right. have those things too. Right. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, we, you mentioned a couple of things before it it made me wonder like, oh my gosh, I wonder what amazing activity you did yesterday too. Um, (laughs) but you recently came out with a book called the Edriculture cookbook, which I learned, I didn't even know that you enjoyed cooking before that. (laughs) Um, and I really appreciated a lot of the, just the, the recipe names and how, you know, taking these, foods and making those into activities that I think not only could be used for uh, people who are running professional developments or are in some type of leadership role, but can definitely be adapted. And I definitely, I saw some elements of that and heard some elephants of that when we were talking about who you were and you're talking back about your teaching experience and like, you okay with at the courtroom. And I'm almost thinking like, would you be the kind of guy who has the costumes going on and everything like that? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to add, like, so what are some of the recipes? What are some of your favorite recipes to cook up for your cookbook? Yeah. So, well, first, thanks for picking it up and, and you know, reading through it. And I appreciate that, the support. Um, and yeah, if I didn't go into education, I would have gone into culinary school. Um, but my wife's like, you don't even cook ever at home. Like, I'm always the one cooking. I'm like, because you're so good at it, babe. But uh, <laughs> when it's grilling season, I'll get out there. there yeah. Go. So some of my favorite ones... Um, 
I gotta say, like my favorite, well, <sighs> two of my favorites are are because it's more of like my story, like the skateboard sum sandwich. When I just talk about like how I incorporated the skateboard, bringing it back, and the the impact it's had on just the culture here, um, and the way I've used it to connect with kids, um, because like I, on Fridays, like there will be kids who are always like, can I bring my skateboard to school? I'll say, okay, well, you can earn it. Bring it on Friday. Can I ride in the halls? No, you can't. Well, why can you? Well, because I'm the principal. So that's why. But what I'll do is I'll take them outside. We have these beautiful blacktops and I'll take these kids if they earn it, you know, like, and these are usually our kids who we're having behavior issues with and they have punch cards or whatever. If they earn it, I'll take them out. And I'll, you know, the listeners can't see them putting quotes up. I'm going to teach them tricks really we go out there and we skateboard around i show them some stuff but then it's just us kind of like talking and bonding and letting them know like look i hear you i see you like and telling them kind of like my stories and struggles of growing up um so that one's more of like a personal reason i love it um the prison break break prison break pie because the same type of thing that's when i got my my um mobile desk and i really loved the way i my analogy of like how my mind was the prison i was in but uh like for pds type of stuff like when i do a a staff meeting like i've got undiagnosed undiagnosed adhd right so like i can't like yeah i i can't sit still like i hate like when like i've i've hated the pandemic and all our zoom meetings because you're just there right right so like we will get up and we'll move. Sometimes we're in the library. Sometimes we're in the art room. Sometimes we're in the gym. Sometimes we're outside. And it's usually there's no papers or anything you're filling out. Like we're like hands-on moving around. And, you know, one of hands down, my favorite ones um, is flipping flapjacks. And that one I love because what it is, is, and this was the last one we did before the p- pandemic hit. So again, it's kind of got like a special place in my heart, but what it was is we, I brought everyone into the gym <clears throat> and I said, all right, pick your team. And again, like they, they had to pick random people. You can't work with your grade level. Um, and I said, go grab a piece of butcher paper from the, the rack. I'd wheeled it in the gym. So everyone grabs a piece and it's different sizes, right? Some people take a real long one. I said, I said, the only catch is your whole team has to be able to stand on top of it. So some are long, some are short, some are just right. And then I said, okay, the object of this is we're flipping flapjacks. Like you need to flip this entire paper over without anybody getting, touching the gymnasium floor. And then, so people start complaining like, well, you didn't say that because look how short theirs is and look how long ours is. I'm like, yeah, but when you make pancakes, are they all exactly the same shape? I'm like, no, like blame your team leader who picked the, the big paper then. Like that's what you got. And so we went through it in the, there was like seven teams and the top three were going to get a prize. And every, every single team had a different approach. Cause I stood on the stage taking pictures. Every team had a different approach. I had people trying to all go to one side and then roll it and twist it. I had people on top of each other's backs trying to like get over. And after the top three were first three were finished, Everyone kept going. Like they wanted every team, like at this point, like, no, we need to finish this regardless if we're last. And people started crowding around them and nobody told them how they did it. They looked at what their approach was and they told them how to keep going with what they had already started. Um, And 
afterwards, when we kind of debriefed, like all of these, these things, I'm like, every, so when I do a staff meeting, these activities, my goal is for the teachers to take it back to their classroom, right? I want you to bring it back and do something with the kids. So we talked about how there's no one right way to get to the end goal. Like every team finished and every team finished a different way. Some people finished quick, some took longer. Some needed advice from others outside telling them how to finish it, but we all got there. So why, why are we faulting our students that are taking longer or need a little bit more help? And it kind of was like an eye opener, like, wow, like, yeah, there's, we, we can't expect everyone to be on our time frame. Um, so one, because it was so much fun, but two, it had that whole deep kind of discussion of what to do. Um, yeah, like yeah, if I was just to pick one more of my favorite ones, I mean, let me, I got to look back at all my titles, but I, oh, it would be the Comfort Zone Zucchini Cupcakes because that one, and you got to read the chapter, but that one, we made everyone do a comfort zone lesson, meaning do something that takes you out of your comfort zone, something you want to do, but you've been afraid to, and we're not going to judge you. We're here to help you. And we had almost every teacher that was up for evaluation, used it as their evaluation, even though they didn't need to, which spoke volumes because they were that confident in myself and my assistant principal that we weren't going to dock them for trying something crazy. And Chris, we had people, our entire fourth, fourth grade, their whole wing became a surgery, surgery room. And they had these jello mold hearts and they all had, they had gowns and hats and gloves that were all donated from hospital, from a hospital. I gave them no money for any of these projects. They all got their own donations. They had these jello mold hearts with a scroll inside of it. They had to extract the scroll without destroying the heart. And then they had a, each, each heart had a different like heartbeat rhythm. So they had to measure it. And then there was a, then there was like a, um, we had a component where they had their files, their medical files. And then they had to like do 20 jumping jacks, 20 push ups, and then measure their own heartbeat and pulse. And then there was a writing component. So like, it was super fun. And the kids, like, it was just like, they were immersed in this whole, uh, ER basically. But those kids, months down the road, I'm asking them, they still remember the concepts of that lesson. Why, you know, do we have to, you know, it was all like a measurement unit. And like they were able to draw, like, it, they're going to remember forever. So, I mean, it was, for me, seeing staff that comfortable was like, okay, maybe I am doing the right thing here. Like, my approach is working, so... No, oh, I absolutely love that. And to, to me, I, I'm, this is something I reflect on in my life too. And you really elaborated on that in a very beautiful way with weakness waffles. It has weakness waffles written all over it. Just the idea mm -hmm. of like, you know, not everything's going to be your strength. Not everything's going to go well. Um, but the sense of that, this is a place that you can be vulnerable and you can share in that vulnerability. And like you just said, you're not going to be judged for that. I think that's one of the biggest pieces there for any, any type of risk taking for people to take. And once you can get that and you can show, I mean, you're showing it from yourself, they're able to do it for them. That, you know, that's when the magic starts happening. That's when right. you start getting it. And then like, you're probably getting it into your classrooms too. 
the kids are benefiting right. from that all the time. Well, cause yeah. And we, we have to know, like none of us are experts in everything, right? Like we mm-hmm. all have our strengths, but we all have our areas to grow every single one of us. And that's the thing. Like I tell my staff, like I am, I was an ELA teacher. Like I'm horrible at math. I hate analyzing data, but because I've been Damn. able to admit that like my staff who loves data are like, let me show you and explain it to you. And when I go and present it then in a meeting, I never take the credit. I say, so-and-so helped break this down for me. So kudos to them. Um, I've got staff that love making schedules. And then in the summer on their own time, I'm like, here, take a look at it. See what you can come up with. Um, now that one, they never want credit for because if people get mad, they want it to follow me. But um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, like the thing is when you, when you are able to admit either you've made a mistake or you don't know what to do, that's where that whole like collaboration and teamwork, like we're here for the kids. Like we're not here for us. Like, yeah, I know we need to make a paycheck and we have families to feed and, you know, uh, mortgages and car payments, but we, we got into education to benefit and empower these kids to know that they can make a difference, right. To take in charge of their, take, take their learning in their own hands. And, so why would you ever like not admit, hey, I need some help here because it's going to benefit the kids? Like, that's all we got to do, like break down those walls. And it's the same with the kids. Like, don't hold it in. You don't know. Like when I taught, I had a risk notebook. Like, okay, you're afraid to raise your hand and ask, put it in the risk notebook and then read it off of there. And no judgment. If it's totally wrong, it's okay. We're going to work through it. And okay, the kid, all it did was get my kids to still say it out loud. They just felt, well, no one will judge me because I'm reading it from my risk book. Well, no, but like eventually throughout the year, kids stopped writing and no one was afraid to ask anything. But um, it's, yeah, we just need to, I mean, we're all in this together. We need to do it for our kids, not us. A hundred percent. And like you just said too, it's a process too. It's, there's no, there's no bandaid. There's no magic. Like this is the one activity. This is the one mindset. This is the one, whatever it is, that's going to solve everything. But it's all these things that are layered in these themes of like, we are all on it together. Just like you said, Mike. And once people realize that once you realize like, it's okay to say, Hey, I am struggling here. I need help here. I think that's when you start like, you know, busting down those walls and then you can really see that growth happen. Um, and, And from my view, I always think, I think the teachers need to be the ones that have that breakthrough first, because if they're not the ones having those breakthroughs, there's no way the kids are going to have those breakthroughs and it doesn't go well from there. It really just, it doesn't. So I think you've made an incredible book for a lot of folks. I definitely hope people pick it up. Um, Educultural book cookbook on Amazon, I think. Yeah. You can Um, get Amazon's the main place to get it. You can get it through Edge Match's website too. Um, There you go. But I mean, everyone's got prime, right? There you go. And eventually look at the prime drone shipping and then be in your, in your classroom right. in like 20 minutes or less. Right. And if it's 21 minutes, then they'll give it to you for free or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of recognizing the time here. So I do want to start wrapping up the conversation. So one of the next things I wanted to ask you as we're closing off, off shop here um, is the name of the podcast is the Learning Pack Podcast because it does believe in that. It believes just like a pack of wolves that we run together we do our best work. We do our best learning and living when we're together with our tribe. Um, and one of the elements of that is I always believe that we need to find some kind of mind, uh, balance 
between our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. So whether this is from what you do on your home time or what, what you do at your school or anything in between, if there is one tip that you could share with our listeners, um, wherever they may be, um, educators, non-educators alike, what would be the number one tip um, for fi- or finding one step closer to that balance? That's a good question. And uh, if this is something I've really been focusing on a lot lately. Um, I've done a few uh, reflection episodes on punk rock classrooms as well about it. And, you know, it's, it, you see on social media educators saying a lot like, Oh, my administration keeps saying to take care of yourself and your well being, but they just keep dumping things on me and they don't give me time. And, you know, it's, it's kind of almost come become cliche to say like, Oh yeah, self-care, but it's so true because you need to carve out, you need to carve out time for yourself every single day, doing something that just is for you, you know? And like, for me, like I'll, I'll get up at five in the morning and I do some kind, I, I first I'll read my uh, daily. I, I've been reading the daily stoic. It's got a little excerpt every day. So I read that piece and I reflect on it and what they're saying. Um, and then I'll do some kind of physical workout, whether it's running or hopping on, we got a Peloton or it's lifting weights. That's what I did this morning. Um, but doing something for myself. Cause I've noticed when I get out of those routines and oh, I'm just going to sleep in and I'm going to you know eat and consume whatever I want. Like I'm not in the right, like mental state. Like I, and when I'm not like, I'm no good for my staff. I'm no good for my students. I'm no good for my family. And it's so true to just find that 20, 30 minutes, it doesn't even need to be long, you know, 20 minutes a day for yourself. And I don't care if it's reading, writing, gardening, meditating, just something that's just for you. And it's just, that's going to clear your mind. It's not scrolling through Instagram, you know, like find something for you. Uh, Maybe it's cooking, get up and cook yourself a meal, cook yourself actual breakfast for 20 minutes in the morning. And maybe that's what you need, but I really feel, you know, and it doesn't need to be in the morning. It can be in the evening. It could be the midday, maybe during lunch, you just shut your blind. I don't know, but find time for yourself. And I think you're going to see a world of difference in like, all aspects of your life. You know, oh, I love that. And I love that. It's not just like do this. And then it's, it's really about finding your own path into that. Right. And, and really that's been a huge theme for us today. I think it's about that. Who are you? How do you belong to yourself? What is it that you need? Not what other people say you need. Right. What is it that right. you need? I love that answer. Um, where where could people find you on social media and anywhere else? Yeah. So um, on Twitter and Instagram, um, I am at Mike R. Earnshaw. Um, and then you could find the our Punk Rock Classrooms, both Twitter and Instagram. It's at Punk Classrooms. And I got to give a shout out to my co-host, Josh. He's at Josh R. Buckley, both Twitter and Instagram. Like we were lucky enough that all three of us, me, Josh, and the podcast all were able to get the same handle on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I am on Voxer. Um, it's punk rock principle. Um, Grant, I'm not, I'm not the most active on there, but you can hit me up on that. Um, and then if you buy the book, Edu Culture Cookbook, um, there's an email in there. 
um, oh shoot, I don't even remember what it is. I think it's Edu Culture Cookbook at yahoo.com. Um, you can shoot me an email, but honestly, Twitter is probably the best way to reach out to me. All right, sounds great. Um, and definitely check out the podcast. They have Funk Rocks Classrooms again. And they had a fabulous episode on Monday about the February funk, which I think many, many people feel themselves in. So yeah, I think it's definitely a good time to reflect on that and, you know, get through that funk, make it some fun. Uh, yeah. Mike, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure to have you on the show today. And you are forever the first guest of this podcast. So thank you so much for coming on to the show. Yeah, I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Take care, Mike. Thank you, too. The name of this podcast is the Learning Pack Podcast, because I believe that we benefit most from learning together, much like a pack of wolves works together and runs together, too. I encourage you to think about one thing that you would like to take away from this episode that you can start implementing in your own life. Many people will be tempted to just change everything, but I honestly encourage you to pick one impactful idea and experiment. Try it out. If you like the podcast episode, please like the Twitter account and share this episode with someone else you think could benefit from hearing this today. If you would like to learn with the pack, please follow me on Twitter at Learning Pack, Facebook at Learning Pack Podcast, or on the Discord, which is linked in the Twitter bio as well as in the show notes. A pack of wolves works together, so if you would like to learn from others, discuss the podcast episodes, or share other ideas and suggestions, please feel free to join our community and join in on those conversations. I hope that you all have a great week ahead. Until next Tuesday, onwards and upwards.